On this special hybrid edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum, we're joined by Coach Bill Taylor. Now, on the Seacoast Forum, which is our sister program, our sister podcast, we do more topical, but again, non-controversial topics. And there he's Bill Taylor. Same same guy, same guy, same voice, and same personality. Always upbeat and always ready to go. So we're going to combine the two today, and we're going to be talking about First, broadcasting and podcasting, and then the second half of the program will shift to sports. So hang in there with us. It's going to be an interesting combination today on the Seacoast Forum. So, Bill Taylor, what's what's the latest uh, with your, your radio program, Tales and Company? Well, what's happened is we are on a hiatus. For people who are don't know what our show was, we would do play songs to a theme. And our last show was songs that make you feel good, that are happy songs. We were a low power station, although streaming wise, you wouldn't know that because we have listeners all over the country and all over the world. We were doing a six and a half hour show starting at 8 a.m and going till 2.30. So what's happened is with the sale of the station, we were off the air. And uh, it looks like there are six possible suitors to buy the station. The town of Salisbury is one of the places that's looking to buy the station. And if they do, then we would uh, jump back in and continue doing the music and playing the music that we really enjoy and love. We're not given constraints as to the type of music we played. We could play a Louis Armstrong song from not the 1920s, one minute, and then go from that to uh, ACDC. Let's go back to to those thrilling days of yesteryear uh, where, you know, your show, Tales and Company, and also the Seco Sports Forum, the sports version of of this podcast. So we'll go back 15 years that we started, uh, you started your program, the oldies program, and then we started the uh, sports version of the the podcast. And it just, it showed you at that time, the, 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 the niche, niche, I don't know how you want to pronounce it broadcasting that people if you're if you're true to a format meaning oldies or country or whatever uh rock and roll people will look for it and stick with it they're faithful to it when i started i started in the country music field and of course that was a a true love of mine i enjoyed country music but i was lucky my dad exposed me to country music big band pop music. My sister grew up in the Elvis Presley era, so I was rooted in that that genre, the, the late 50s, early 60s of, of rock and roll, the oldies, as you like to call them, or we like to call them. That's the thing now, even, that people favor a format or a sound as opposed to uh, a station. You know, when we grew up, I know here in the New England area, WBZ was probably the biggest station when I was growing up as a kid. Then New Hampshire started to grow with radio stations. We had WHEB in Portsmouth and WDNH, which became WOKQ. And anyway, the fact is that people, once they got their their little niche 
station, the, the, the one that they, they could lock onto, they were true to it. And, and unfortunately, uh, sometime in the 2000s, that's when radio changed because there was deregulation and uh, the mom and pop radio stations that, that local ownerships had faded by the wayside to conglomerates who just sucked them up and, and cherry picked what they wanted uh, under deregulation. And again, these big conglomerates, and I'll use the name iHeartRadio being one of them. Uh, there are others that came in. WOKQ, a uh, station I worked for at my last stop in radio, they were bought out uh, by a, a couple of conglomerates and then finally uh, they're owned by Town Square Media currently. But it changed because when I started with them, it, it was a local uh, outfit out of Nashua that owned them. A fellow kind of fell into radio by accident, had a three-station chain, so to speak, and uh, it was all New Hampshire-based stations. And then eventually he sold out to Fuller Jeffries Group. Um, and that was J.J. Jeffries, an old rock and roll legend in, in uh, broadcasting. And, yeah. and a guy named Bob Fuller, who was in radio as an announcer, but locally. And they just built WDNH into WOKQ and, and what it became. Number one or number two, WHEB has always been kind of a, a, a mainstay here in the seacoast area and they've changed over the years as well as far as formats and, and what they you know personnel but they there was always a battle between heb and okq but heb was rock and wokq was country and that was you know where they separated they had their their own little fiefdoms um to kind of cut this all down to basics they've all been taken over by somebody and, and a lot of the mom and pop radio stations, the one that was right here in our hometown of Exeter, uh, went by the wayside and sat dormant for years. Um, the AM side of it, because AM radio, that's another story for another day. AM radio just faded off into the sunset, which is kind of sad because I just read something in the paper yesterday that car, car makers, the manufacturers are going to discontinue putting AM radios in cars starting this next model year. And the, and the fact of the matter is, I think more people are more interested in what we do now, podcasting, internet broadcasting, which is what your show is on as well, and this low-power FM radio, which the FCC came in as an alternative when, when all the markets were being scooped up by these big conglomerates. They came up with what they called low-power radio stations, which were to serve a marketplace, a, a town, a city, and schools that they could give exposure to local things happening, which was very important back in the good old days when AM radio was king and, and FM first started out. And FM was because of the sound, primarily music. The AM was your information stations. Um, Professor Chester is going to wrap this up, I promise. But, but the low-power stations uh, were on the air to give a, a local marketplace something or somewhere to go to so that they could announce the uh, traffic, weather, yard sales, whatever they wanted to do, local news, which became, uh, went to the wayside. I don't think anybody does local news anymore. Even the, even the local newspapers <laughs> don't do much local news anymore. It's changed. The world has changed, my friend. So I, I, back to your situation, uh, you were on a low power station. I think from what you just said, you had a big effect on the internet because 
I see it with this program or these programs that you and I are affiliated with, the Seacoast Forum and Seacoast Sports Forum, that people all over the world can listen. We've had people all over the world listening to both of these broadcast podcasts, as I like to call them now. We're still broadcasters, even though we're podcasters, okay? That's the intent. So I'm happy that uh, you got good news that especially the town of Salisbury is going to be involved with uh, hopefully buying that um, station up keeping the good tunes going because uh, that that's what it was meant for that's what that's what that's what low power radio was meant to be and uh, it's allegedly can be underwritten but it can't be sponsored so uh, that was another that's another topic for another day how radio changed you don't hear uh, uh, Joe's garage getting ads anymore on the radio it's uh, all big companies uh, you know the, the major market players that are, are involved in the advertising too that changed so that's that's for another day. That'll be uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm putting it down here. My journal, Professor Chester, Radio 101, <laughs> Part Two, advertising. We'll do that some other day. When we grew up, uh, I'll use myself as an example. Uh, you know, I grew up in uh, outside of Providence, Rhode Island, in Massachusetts, and I didn't listen to the Boston stations. I listened to the uh, Rhode Island, WPRO was big for music, which they they did. And they had their local DJ, Salty Brine, was a legend sure enough. back then. And he did the morning uh, shift. But what they did was one minute you could hear Elvis. The next minute you could hear Marty Robbins. The next minute you could hear Dave Brubeck doing Take Five. The next minute you could hear Perry Como, and then the next minute you could be back to Elvis again. Mm -hmm. So what I'm getting at is it, it was a wide variety of music, and it was acceptable. And that's what I grew up with, and that's what I tried to do on the tales and company show and 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 you, and you do it very well i want i just want to say that you do you guys know how to blend it you 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 know you you mentioned how you could go from um perry como to acdc but you do it so that it isn't a train wreck <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is and you know i mean we play we play b-sides of uh, records we play uh obscure cuts that a lot of people have never heard and what has happened, and I was really struck by this in all the uh, comments I got from my listeners, is we created a, a community mm -hmm. and a community of, of music listeners. And it was not uncommon in this day and age, which is kind of surprising for people to wake up with us at 8 a.m., set their alarm clocks on Saturday and get up and sit around the breakfast table and then follow us right through to 2.30. And getting comments from them back and forth, we try to interact back and forth as much as we can, but there were a community right. of listeners right. and people would, when I would, post on Thursday on my Tales and Company website uh, and say, you know, just reminding everybody what the theme is, people would sit around on Thursday nights after work and figure out, gee, what songs do I want to hear? 
What songs fit the theme? What's the best song that I like that really fits this theme? And it works. And it works because we are live radio, which doesn't exist much anymore. Every show is unique because you don't know what songs are going to be requested. All right. And that is the uniqueness, uh, your your niche, niche of, of, of programming for your your station and in your 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 particular show your your program uh and you brought up a a, a big big factor uh when we were growing up there were personalities that we all kind of glommed on to as far as on the radio um like when i was growing up probably the guy that had the biggest influence on me getting into radio was a fellow by the name of dave maynard at wbz oh, I remember Oh, I mean, his self-deprecating style of delivery and, and, and had fun with the music. And, and there were a lot of guys there at BZ that I kind of stole little piece, bits and pieces from. The biggest influence, I guess, later, as I got closer to going on the air, was Larry Glick, who was their overnight talk show host. And Larry did a talk show, but it was a fun talk show. It didn't get serious. It didn't, it didn't get nasty. It didn't polarize it just was a fun show that would keep you going while you're cab drivers in boston or or you're working the overnight shift down here at the navy yard or wherever you could listen to larry talk about you know just fun stuff fun stuff off the off the new pages of the newspaper or uh what what happened in the world that day but it was always with the upside it didn't didn't get down and dirty which that made a big difference but every every market and i guess i'll wrap up with this every market had a legend from coast to coast. I mean, I could list them all, but I won't. But for Boston, uh, when my, you know, formative years, again, the guys at BZ. Uh, Dale Dorman was a big influence on rock and roll radio, WRKO in Boston. Um, then you had down in New Ginsburg, Artie Ginsburg at WMEX, the original WMEX. You had guys that, were legends in New York City. One of the biggest, probably in oldies, was cousin Brucey Morrow. Uh, so every every market has or had a legend. Unfortunately, and you hit it on the head. There's not a lot of live radio. That's the one. That's the one trick about the business I don't enjoy anymore. And it's something that happened at, at WOKQ just before I left and uh, retired from the terrestrial radio business. That uh, it was becoming. Uh, manufactured radio meaning you'd go in i was i was fortunate enough i was doing a live show when i left but they also wanted me to do a pre-recorded weekend show so i'm talking about generic things on the weekends which i didn't like that i wanted to talk about what's happening right now the weather something i'm watching on tv that you know they had a tv monitor in the in the station and you'd see something happening uh you know, you could just jump on it there and then. And, and unfortunately that, that you couldn't do it when you're pre-recording something on a Wednesday that's going on Saturday or Sunday. The only time I will say that was legitimately done. I did a countdown show for them in the eighties uh, top 10 countdown. And uh, we had to do that early. I had, I'd go in on Wednesday nights, spend about four hours. In those days, we didn't have all this digital equipment. I had to physically splice tape you know reels of tape and and mm-hmm. edit the songs together edit the voice tracks and whatever it was a, it was a takeoff on the casey case of countdown type thing and it was right. a labor of love 
And now I probably could do it in about mm, 10, 15 minutes because all you do is just do the voice tracks and then the machines do it all. The, the digital machines do it all for you, basically. And, uh, and it took something out of the radio business. And so I'm when I left it, I didn't, I miss it. Yes, I do. I do. I miss the interaction like you do with the people. That's the most important part. And I said on my last day, on my last show, I said, if I made somebody stop and think about something or especially if I made them smile or just made their day a little bit better mission accomplished. And that was, that was my philosophy of radio one one and so much for that, <laughs> but you will return. My friend sales and company will be coming back soon. And we'll keep people posted on that. And uh, I know the people right now are probably chomping at the bit saying, what happened? <laughs> right. I mean, I, I feel bad that it happened, but, uh, it's out of our control, right? But at you know the thing is, we you you just you hit the nail on the head. You, you try to go in every we were Saturdays once a week and go in with a positive, upbeat outlook, right? And just go and. We would do the same thing, you know, from working with me. I mean, we could get off track. Sure. And we could talk about different things. But, you know, we tried to keep, we would oftentimes talk about music. We uh -huh. talk about old TV shows. Uh -huh. We talk about movies, on and on and on. But we would try to make everybody feel like, hey, this is, Right. an event this is a happening it's this a happening is... yeah and 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 right and again you're you uh being so into the music and knowledgeable about it you're a historian too and that was part of the fun of doing the show is that you could talk about like you just said old commercials uh whatever uh, things events that did happen back in our day that didn't have a, a negative spin or a negative vibe to them uh sure a lot of bad things happen in the world constantly day to day minute to minute but you know, I think the three-letter word that I tried to get in when I did radio, no matter where I was, fun, F-U-N, that was it. You know, you got that right. if I wasn't yeah. having fun, I didn't want to be there. And I was kind of happy to leave the terrestrial radio business when I did because it wasn't fun anymore. It was just going in. And uh, it, that's, a, again, a story for another day when I do a rant about Radio 101 again, how how the business changed. But that i'm just happy that like i say you're on hiatus but you'll be back even if we have to do a GoFundMe right. and buy the stations <laughs> <laughs> hey let's 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 talk about the other so again we have two sides to our, our podcast one is sports oriented the other is just kind of general fun as we just were talking about um top fun topics uh let's go to the sports side of things we just finished up for our local hometown team the Exeter Blue Hawks uh, football season, but the football season does continue. Uh, the state championship is still to be decided. You've got four powerhouse teams that are be going into the semifinals, and then two of those four teams will be obviously going for the for the big uh, trophy. Um, let's let's just uh, you at another angle. You are the voice of the Blue Hawk team on television on the local television. Um, along with Rich Kane and Nick Brown, just sum up what you saw this season. And uh, 
I know, I know we always try to take, and I want to give you kudos. You guys always take a positive spin on, on how you broadcast on, on, on the TV. And that's good because you're not, you're not, these aren't, these are kids. These are high school kids. They aren't pros that are getting paid scads of money. Give me your nutshell on, on the season for the Blue Hawks and, uh, We'll talk about the playoffs in a little while. Yeah, let me just start off by saying, for all athletes, it doesn't matter what the sport is. You know, we want to congratulate you because we know, I know from being a coach and a long time ago, uh, you know, and a high school athlete myself, that the amount of work that goes into the amount of preparation that goes into a season. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're from Exeter or you're from uh, Woodsville. You have put in the amount of, t- a lot of time and effort and sacrifice a lot of, you know, oftentimes, you know, friends want to go out and do this and do that, but you put that aside because you know you have a game or you have a practice coming up. And uh, I just wanted to uh, to congratulate all the fall athletes out there. Amen. Because they have worked very hard. They have. And they've all been a success. No matter what your record is, you have gone through a successful season. Exactly. Now, for Exeter, it was kind of a season in contrast. They started off being in a one, if you you want to talk about was the season successful, yes. They made it to the uh, final eight teams and uh, finished fifth in the state in Division One, And even their games at times, we could look unbeatable one moment, and the next moment we could look like we'd have difficulties uh, beating a lesser talented team. But they stuck together and they came through. I just marveled at, I just, I go back to, we seem to have difficulty starting games. We didn't seem to play well the first defensive series. or And then all of a sudden, a timeout would be called, and Coach Ball would go out and talk, and then all of a sudden the play that somebody had just run for 35 yards, they'd try and run it again, and they'd be stopped at, at the line of scrimmage. So I just found that interesting mm-hmm. from because it seemed to go on pretty much from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. I was pleased with the way the people played. I thought they played hard all the time. That's a mark of an Exeter team. They always play hard. Uh, no matter the score, no matter the situation. And it, it, it's true for the guys who came in uh, later in the game. Right. Mm-hmm. They played hard. They played with effort. They played with determination. And that's a credit to the coaching staff at Exeter High. And uh, to the parents, to the community. Going back to you and 
and uh, Rich and uh, Nick doing the broadcast. I got to give you guys kudos because it's hard. I don't care what uh, it could be a, a college game, pro game, or or a high school game. Uh, if if the game is going out of control or not going the way it should, it's hard to be positive. But you guys are. Maybe next season we're going to try. I've been talking to the folks at Blue Hawk Media that hopefully next season we can do the whole slate somehow. So we'll see how that works out. The, the people uh, that are involved in the final four, I guess everybody projected would be there. The top three in particular, Pinkerton and uh, Londonderry, Bedford. And the, surpri the surprise team to me was the Portsmouth uh, Oyster River Clipper Cats. They had a, a really phenomenal season, undefeated season. And uh, of those four teams I just mentioned, handicap it for me. You saw, we saw two of those teams, correct? Londonderry and, and Portsmouth Oyster River. We did not see Pinkerton or Bedford in the regular season, I believe. Right. To me, I think it's going to come down to, uh, first of all, I think the games are going to be really good games and they're going to be close. Uh, I predict Bedford to beat uh, Portsmouth. I do know Portsmouth's quarterback is banged up. They did have uh, a person who came in and ran the team for most of the uh, last game. Did a bang up, did a great job. And, uh, but I do think that will affect them a little bit. Uh, Bedford's a talented, talented team. Uh, the other game, boy, I think it's a toss-up. Pinkerton beat Londonderry by two points last time. I guess if Pinkerton has laid some, uh, they have laid some beatings on teams scoring 50 points a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to pick Londonderry in an upset. You, you agree with Jay Pinson, though. Londonderry has the four quarterbacks, and I think that was one thing we brought up in our last uh, sports podcast, was that it's kind of hard for a coaching staff to figure out the idiosyncrasies of having one or two quarterbacks you can figure out usually. Three, mm -hmm. now it gets interesting, and four, it really gets complicated because you have to have a scheme, a defensive scheme against every combination. And uh, uh, Jimmy Lozone from Londonderry, the coach there, uh, I, I guess he just had a plethora of talent at QB and he's got some kids to catch the ball and, uh, you know, it, it may work. You're right. Uh, Pinkerton is Brian O'Reilly, the old school Bill Ball type of, of, of uh, coach. Uh, they do some passing though. I will say that much more passing than the Blue Hawks, but they, they specialize usually in a, in a heavy duty running back. So that I think will be the slobber knocker of the two. Uh, and then Portsmouth, you know, they've had a heck of a season. Uh, happy for Coach Pafford that he had such a big turnout this year. They had such a successful season. But they have to play their A1-plus game against Bedford because Bedford really wanted to be the number one, two, or three seed. So being the number four seed, they were kind of like, hey, what happened here? But because of the strength of schedule, they were given the, the third bye, so to speak. And uh, uh, that that was, I think they really thought they should have been either one or two. But again, strength of schedule, and that's another you know can of worms for another program. But uh, the the two best teams, let's say this: the two best teams will be going into the championship game on November twenty fifth. Uh, it's scheduled for one o'clock. 
And it's still uh, to be determined where that game will be because it's all has to be in a neutral site. Uh, so there is a potential it might be coming here to Exeter to William Ball Stadium. There is the potential, but it's not written in stone at this point. So uh, keep post. We'll keep you posted here on on the both the Seacoast Sports Forum and the Seacoast Forum. Just check our websites, and uh, we'll we'll keep uh, the latest news there. What I wanted to do is is uh, follow up on what you just said about congratulating all the teams that are involved in the fall sports programs uh, throughout the state because they all all those kids put it out on the field and uh, and or on the court as the case be. Uh, and, you know, use the old sports cliche, winning isn't all that matters. It's how you play the game. And I think as long as these kids go out there and know they gave it their best, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. And had some fun. They use that word again, fun. You know, that's what, that's right. what it's supposed to be about at that level. They're not getting paid to do it. So, you know, critiquing is not, uh, is, it, the coaches can do the critiquing. That's about it. Let's, let's run down quickly. Uh, we'll, we'll do, sports side of things uh, for, for our shows. Um, I'll just give you the, the different teams here in New England and give me, you know, thumbnail what you think. The Patriots are a total disaster. Uh, figures that to be the year I win tickets to go see them. <laughs> what do you think about the Patriots? Well, first of all, uh, do I think the coach is the issue? No, I don't. Bill Belichick is a proven winner as a coach. As a general manager, maybe not so much. Uh, if I were Bob, Bob Kraft, I would ask Belich tell Belichick I would like him to continue as coach, but I would relieve him of the general manager responsibilities, and uh, they've got to get some better players. Is what it boils down to there. You know, what people, how soon people forget that string of Super Bowls we went to, mm -hmm. or how many Super Bowl champions he coached. And yes, he had a great quarterback, but you know what? He also must have done, Tom Brady couldn't have done it alone. Right. Is what I'm getting at. Right. So, yeah, you can question some of his decisions during a game. That's normal. All sure. coaches get questioned. But you know what? Uh, do I think he can still coach? Yes. And the talk is that if he if he gets let go by the Patriots, uh, you know he'll he'll go somewhere else. The, the already I guess has got feelers out there in case he does get the door at the end of the season. Because he'd like to go after that record for Don Shula's all-time uh, victories, right. and uh, he's like now eighteen or somewhere in the eighteen region. Uh, he has to get before he breaks it, and it would be at least two. Yeah, I think is, it's seventeen. Is it seventeen now? Tie yeah. it. And and and, yeah. and just you know, the fact is, he couldn't do it this year here, obviously. And uh, next year, he'd have to have a perfect season with the team. And so they're talking about twenty twenty-five before he could break it. Now puts him in his. He's in his seventies now, so you know that's the other thing I, I worry about. That he is a legendary coach. He is the greatest of all time. I mean, Lombardian when we were kids was the, the man. Hallis and before that, right. uh, but the point is, you're right. He he knows stuff. He knows. I think the only thing that's changed for Bill Belichick, and it's hard for him to adapt to. And I saw this at the college level, and and it's the 
the mentality of the kid coming into the sport now, the athlete, the kids that are coming from college into the pros have a different mindset than the guys that he was coaching even back when Tom Brady started with the Patriots. I mean, he was he was a pick that nobody really expected anything from. And due to unforeseen circumstances, Drew Bledsoe getting hurt, Brady gets his start, and you know the rest is history. So people just don't know when you're going to find uh, you know, uh, that, that commodity. And, and once in a while, somebody steps up to the plate, you get a Tom Brady. Not every team is lucky enough to get somebody like that over their, their lifetime as a franchise. So, uh, again, I think that's part of the problem right now relating to these athletes that are overpaid, demand all the little perks and quirks. That's hard for a guy like Belichick who's old school. You know, he grew up in, in the old school football mentality. People respected authority years ago it's a little different now it's a different world uh the red sox they decided to not come up with the general manager but head of baseball operations craig breslow take on give me your take on that one well okay my take on the red sox is number one they have too many chiefs they needed they need to pare down their organization uh, i mean holy mackerel the team on the field should be the most important thing. Number two, I question whether or not the ownership has become too diversified. They have a soccer team in England. They now own the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are involved in NASCAR. It's, I think they would do better if they were just concerned about the Boston Red Sox. Amen. That's Now, Craig Breslow, I feel, is an excellent hire. As long as he has the ability to do things his way, or does he have to answer to too many chiefs? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, So that's my feeling on the Red Sox. They need to get starting pitching. They need more than one. Uh... How are they going to be able to do that? I, I don't know. I hope they don't go after Otani. Otani, the big target, uh, can't pitch this season because if he had Tommy John surgery. So whoever buys him for 600 million bucks for X number of years is basically uh, going to have a, a bat. And even then, I can't figure out how can you hit if you're, you've got a shoulder surgery. I would think that would isolate you for the whole year, no matter what. So I don't understand how he can hit, but he can't pitch. It's going to be a gamble for whoever picks him up. The Dodgers are reportedly the favorite at this point. Um, and I guess a lot of the West Coast teams would love to see him. You know, the People on the Western side of the world would love to see him stay there. Yankees, surprisingly, are not really that desperate to go after him. You know what? The biggest thing there is you can have all these supposedly outstanding players, but... They've got to come together and work for a common goal. Right. Right. And yeah. with Breslow being a former player who was not a star, mm-hmm. but was a was a good relief pitcher, but he bounced around. You don't win with. You've got to have some a star. Let's say you got to have like one guy who's a focal point in your lineup but your lineup has to 
be more than just one guy. Exactly. And Aaron Judge is a perfect example. I mean, mm-hmm. who were the other players who really performed last year besides Judge? The Dodgers are the new Yankees. Let's put it that way. They they like to, yep. to pick out the talent and, and uh, put fannies in the seats. You know, next time we, we get together, we'll talk about the Celtics and Bruins. They're both off to hot starts. But what I want to go to is uh, something that's a love of yours, and I enjoy it immensely, NASCAR. The end of the NASCAR season. Give me give me your two cents on that. Number one, you've seen a, cha- a passing of the torch from the old guard to the new guard in NASCAR. The final four, which the format, I think, this, this year really worked. It certainly added excitement. It boiled down to Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, William Byron, and Ryan Blaney. And there were different owners that were involved. But some of the old guard, like Stuart Haas, had no one. And actually, they, as a team, kind of underperformed. But uh, although Martin Truex had an excellent regular season, but it did not all come together in the end. You've been back in Blaney uh, for years now, so Blaney did it. <laughs> I have. I, I've been a, a Blaney fan, and I'm a big Penske fan. And, you know, that's two years in a row, Joey Logano and uh, now Ryan Blaney. It's funny when you see uh, names or hear names like Kozlowski, uh, uh, Hamlin, uh, Logano, Bush. They're the old guard now. <laughs> and, you know, if you've... Uh, for the New Hampshire, uh, the Loudon race this year has changed the date. They have moved the race now to June. And uh, smarter move, smart move. It is. Yeah. The weather is. I mean, the weather can always be iffy. It doesn't matter. Yeah. When the race is. Right. But the thing is, June can be a more favorable. Temperature-wise, it's a lot easier to sit in the sun when it's 70 degrees than when it's 80, 85, 90, and it's humid as heck. Yeah, and and, and underneath the the bleachers or the stands there at at, uh, Loudoun, everybody's kind of trying to get their moment of shade so that before they have to go up and and get uh, toasted and roasted up in the bleachers. This podcast that people are listening to today is going to be a hybrid. It's a little bit of our sports podcast and a little bit of our just our our i don't want to call it plain podcast but the the one where we're topical but not controversial so what i want to do is in the sports side of things we do what we call the two-minute drill at the end of the show where the guests come on the hosts will will say what they want to just throw out there so coach taylor since we've been talking about broadcasting a lot i'm going to throw this out there you know the thing i hate the most when I am broadcasting uh, high school athletics is when I see anyone get injured. And because I know what they've gone through to get ready for that game, and it doesn't matter whether it's the opposing team or the home team. I know what the athletes have gone through to get ready for that game. And to see someone get hurt and be deprived of the opportunity to
to play in that contest after all they've gone through, to me, is a shame. So I really hate to see anyone get injured. That's my two-minute drill. Yeah, amen to that. And uh, it it uh, comes out of the blue. And that's why I say to these kids when we do the end of the season get-together is that, you know, enjoy what you're doing out there right now because – you never know. It could be the last time you're out on the court or out on the field. Uh, things happen. And uh, just enjoy it. Have some fun out there. Learn from the coaches. Learn from, you know, the officials. And, uh, you know, the parents mean well. But I think sometimes parents start to get into the kids' heads and, uh, you know, tell the parents, chill. Enjoy enjoy the game. I'm going to do something different for our other podcast. It's I'm going to close out with something called And Furthermore. All right. And furthermore, this is how we'll close off the Seacoast Forum. Uh, I just want to, again, reiterate what we said earlier about congratulating all the, the student athletes that uh, were out there this year, putting it all out on the courts or on the fields. And uh, and good luck in the upcoming season. We'll be covering a lot of the winter sports. So we'll look forward to that. The other thing I just wanted to mention that since our last podcast, it was Veterans Day. And I do want to thank all the veterans who have put it all out there to defend us, to protect us. And uh, again, we couldn't be here without you. And I want to especially remember a, a veteran that, well, I heard on the news here in New Hampshire, we have approximately 700 World War II veterans still with us. Uh, lost one of those veterans this past January, my Uncle Phil, who made it to 100 years old in 38 days. And uh, I want to dedicate this program to him and all the veterans. Thank you for your service. And on behalf of Bill Taylor, this is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us on the next edition of the Seacoast Forum.